Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Saludos, viajeros. Grüße Reisende. Loe chao choindi. You didn't know it was multilingual, did you? This is the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast, and this is episode number, what is this, 61. Hello, Moon Man. I wonder if it's, hmm, maybe like, hello, Moon Man, or hello, Moon Man, or just hello, Moon Man. I'd like to think it's hello, Moon Man. Because if you're in space and you see a guy walking on the moon, that's how you're going to greet him, right? Anyway, Nigel is the man behind Hello, Moon Man. Hello, Moon Man is a company that sells incredible Indonesian desserts. They have a pop-up that is at the Queen's Night Market, they have a pop-up that's at Bryant Park in Manhattan. They do catered events and things like that. Uh, this is another link to Greg from Food and Footprints. And um, I didn't realize like how incredibly multifaceted Nigel was. I knew that I enjoyed his food a lot, but he owns a design firm. He has Hello Moon Man. He's got a photography business now. He's a professor. He travels. He's learning violin. He does archery. I hope if you are listening to this and you have any lazy bones in your body that you find some inspiration in this to get your butt up off the couch and to go do something. I mean, geez, I felt wholly inadequate. I, it, I mean, the... We recorded in Nigel's office in Manhattan, and even just walking in, I'm looking around and I'm like, okay, like, how do I build the Voyages empire? Because this feels like something's happening here, and I was getting inspiration just by being in the building that Nigel has his office in. Um, I learned a lot about him, uh, a lot about business, a lot about Hello Moon Man. There's some really exciting times for them. I think that the company is going to blow up. I mean, their food is so good. It's unique. They've got a, a unique little corner of the market and uh, both literally and figuratively, they're, they're going to blow up. So I'm hopeful in a year's time, I do this trip that's coming up. I come back and I get to sit down with Nigel again and he's like the coconut pancake mogul of the world. That would be pretty sweet. Check out the show notes for this episode to find everything related to Nigel, everything related to Hello Moon Man. You can support this podcast if you have the means to do so on Patreon, patreon.com slash slash the voyages of Tim Vetter. It's a subscriptions-based service. My words are not forming right now, are they? It's a subscription-based service. And that means that you can give monthly, whether it's 50 cents, a dollar, five dollars, ten thousand dollars. Hey, if you're out there and you're looking to offload ten thousand dollars a month, I'll take it, man. I won't even ask what I have to do for it. I'll take it. But yeah, if you don't have the means to do so, hey, that's cool. Uh, totally appreciate everyone that listens. All of the money goes into the podcast and providing opportunities to put out more content. So 
All right, enjoy this one, folks. Peace. Okay, thank you, Nigel. This of is course. great. Thank you. Yeah, so I was at the the night market a couple weeks ago, I guess, and this is becoming kind of a, a trend and a theme here that uh, we have a mutual acquaintance, Greg. Yeah. And he was saying, you got to go check out the Indonesian desserts. You got to go there. You got to go there. Um, I don't really eat dessert, uh-huh. which is funny, but you had... Honestly, like number one or top two things at the night market. Something that was so unique, so amazing, especially considering I deprived myself of dessert. Um, Maybe so that's why it tastes good. <laughs> it's because you haven't made dessert for a very long time. It was extra good, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, so I loved it. And you actually said that you had, had heard of me. You know Dewi. I do know Dewi. Yeah. yeah. So she's been on here. Um, and I thought, hey, man, like it would be awesome to talk about your background and Indonesian food and culture sure. and things like that. So awesome. Glad to have you. Sure. What do you want to know? All right. So where we are right now is at your design firm in New York. So yeah. I want to kind of get to who you are before we get to all the things that you've been successful at. Sure. Um, you were born in the States or you were born in Indonesia? I was born in Surabaya in, in Indonesia. Surabaya. Okay. Yeah. Just uh, make sure you're... Yeah, cool. Uh, which is also where Davy's from. Yeah, correct. Which has been in the news for difficult reasons lately. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is a whole lot of uh, things going on right there. Yeah. yeah, and my friend lives in Jogja, too, and they've got a, a volcano going off right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indonesia is not, is not in the best time right now, but, you know, they're, they're, they're doing the best they can. Yeah. So um, you, how, you went to university in Surabaya? Uh, no, actually. I, I moved to Chicago when I oh. was 18, and I lived there for six years. I was pursuing undergraduate um, in the Illinois Institute of Art, and then uh, the reason was because uh, there, there is no good design education in Indonesia back then. Even now, I mean, you know, Surabaya is the second largest city, right, in Indonesia. And uh, back then, we, yeah, we didn't have any university that is offering a comprehensive design uh, program. Mm. So I kind of have no choice. If I want to pursue design, I have to move somewhere else, you know. And that time, my brother happened to be in Chicago already. Uh, he was uh, doing the civil engineering, so I, I wanted to do design, so I just moved there, and yeah. Is that an easy process? So if you're an Indonesian citizen and you want to go to university abroad, it, are there hoops that you have to jump through? Um, not that difficult per se, because I mean, the, the biggest challenges for me is because the art program in Indonesia is not uh, very well... Um, uh, it, it doesn't have the foundation, right? Mm. So the high school doesn't have any art program, you know. So when I apply to university for design degree, it's it's just we 
we don't have portfolio. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have portfolio. And then that way, I, I just sent whatever I have, you know, whatever drawings and whatever. Really? <laughs> well, literally that, you know, whatever drawings and doodles that I, that I can scrap and gather, that's the one that, we, that, that I sent. And, uh, yeah, and then got in the college, got my undergraduate, and then I worked for Firebelly Design, you know, and then the... the creative director there, the owner, Don Hancock, is still a good friend of mine still today. Um, afterward, I was working for Motorola and uh, de- oh. developing the you know, design language, iconography, and uh, all those things for cell phones. Stick there for a good a year and a half, and then I knew that I wanted to take graduate school. That's how I ended up in New York. Okay. Yeah, I got accepted at School of Visual Art, and then... Uh, got my graduate degree, degree there, and then I was working for Alfalfa Studio, and then decided to open my own, yeah. Which is where we are right now. Exactly, Courses and Factory. <laughs> I saw you post something um, quite recently, I guess, about a book that you helped to design. Oh, I actually published that book. Okay. Uh, what happened is that there, there hasn't been a good book that is uh, about Indonesian designers. Mm. ever published, you know, and, and the one that usually published in Indonesia has been created, designed, and then marketed towards Indonesian, and, and nothing never ever really grew abroad, right? And then I had this idea quite a few years back that there is a lot of Indonesian working in the creative industry that people don't know. And then what I did was that I approached the Decent Graphic Indonesia, so which is like a, a Big uh, organization like a forum, and then we told them that you know, hey, why don't we collaborate and then produce something like this? You know, because I have network of designers in New York City that can help. You know, and then I've known good designers in New York City that can help curate the people and the work that actually go into the book. So that's what I did basically. We did an open call for entries. We have like hundreds and hundreds of designers submitting their portfolio, and then we got curator from New York City, two of them, uh, Eric Baker and Rafael Asker, and then we have two curators from Indonesia, so we have this inside and outside kind of perspective. Mm. And then, yeah, I designed a book, published it, and then uh, now it's already published in Indonesia, it's, it's available in bookstores. That's awesome. Now we're trying to bring it to the United States, you know, it's going to happen hopefully uh, this year. Yeah. This year. Well, awesome. Congrats. I hope that happens. <laughs> Thank you. You know what's interesting to me is that, um, and maybe you could help me out with this, yeah. for so long in the United States, well, for so long, let's say like post, um, post-World War II uh, United States, um, people were, were pretty content to work a job, not necessarily that was their passion, mm-hmm. but that afforded them the ability to have a family and okay. have a retirement, and you got your one week's vacation a year. Yeah. Um, I think that's really changing now, and I think a lot of people are dissatisfied with that in mm-hmm. the States and are trying to figure out a way to make their passion or the thing that they love the thing that brings them money. Um, so it's kind of a twofold question I have for you. Yeah. Is there a similar situation that you can recall from Indonesia where um, folks are transitioning out of maybe like the traditional type of a family lifestyle into pursuing their passions? And then also what you had to do or sacrifices or um, systems that you have for yourself 
in order to make your passions your reality? I know that's a lot there. That's a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think um, I, I think the the mindset of of Indonesia is a lot different than what I find here for okay. sure. I think people in in New York, especially, they're a lot more career oriented mm. versus Indonesia. Indonesia, really? you know, I, I mean, of course, there is entrepreneurship everywhere, right? But at the same time. The level of it is different. Like uh, the passion of it is also different. Uh, I think I think New Yorker in general are a lot more career-minded than Indonesians for sure. Hmm. Okay. Um, so then, then that's even more to my question then, because yeah. I, what my my second part of that was. Like how have, I know that's a really broad question, but how have you been able to make your passion into a reality? Especially when you're considering it's not an easy thing to do and you're coming from a culture that maybe didn't prioritize that. Well, I, I'm, in a way I'm kind of lucky. Uh, lucky because I grew up in a family that's, that's run a business. Okay. So my, my parents are, are business people, basically. I've, I've seen them from nothing to owns everything. Mm. So they, they, they grow their tiny stores into a bigger one, into like, you know, uh, being able to where they are today. And all of me and my siblings are all uh, graduated from the United States. You know, they were able to send their kids okay. abroad. So I, I've got that business background from my parents in a way, you know, so that the entrepreneurship uh, is kind of built in, ingrained within all of us, basically. And then, uh, so that kind of helped. And then at the same time, you know, being a designer, you kind of like to make things, right? Uh -huh. that's, that's the very level of requirement of being a designer. So you <laughs> have to love to make things. Yeah. And I, I always wanted uh, to have a career of making things for a living. So that's why design was such a, a big passion of mine. So when, I decided to open my own business, you know, and the, the course design factory is a design firm who's specializing in helping businesses. Okay. So we, we help transform businesses from their branding, their product, their marketing engine, their, you know, web presence, their apps, their what have you, you know, we work like a partner for our client. But if we can do that for our client, that means we can do it for ourselves too. And that's the reason why we have so many, uh, uh, smaller endeavors that we built in the uh, business. That's why we can have Moonman, you know, the one that yeah. we experienced at the Queensland Market. And we also have uh, Novel Objects, you know, which is a product photography service that you know, we partner with another uh, photographers, you know. So yeah, we, we have a lot of that mini entrepreneurship endeavors that we're doing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Have you, since you came to the States when you were 18, have you traveled back to Indonesia? Yeah, I, I, I try to visit, even though these days not so much because <laughs> <laughs> I got so much things going on. Busy. But uh, yeah, I, I try to travel at least uh, once every two years. You okay. know, and that's why I usually take like about a month and a half to two months vacation, you know, but I don't do it every year. Okay. So I just pile on all my vacation to, into once. <laughs> and so, I mean, we're going to get into the Hello Moon Man stuff, yeah, but of course. Um, you know, you, you're accomplished, you're receiving uh, positive press and things like that. Uh, your family members that still live at home in Indonesia, do they get to see that stuff? Are they proud of you? Uh, yeah, they do. They're proud of me or not, I don't know. 
<laughs> growing up in a in a Asian family, you know, they're 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 a little bit more reserved when okay. they come to their things, you know. And the expectation the, is exactly, high. Exactly, yeah. the expectation is really high. <laughs> well, one thing I think is really cool is that um, I've met a lot of people from the Indonesian American community now yeah. through Dewi. Um, I had a gentleman by the name of Andre that was on mm-hmm. here, and. It's amazing to see sort of the network that's been created here in New York, especially like in in Queens, um, where people are supporting each other. Uh, But I've seen that connection back home too, because I first heard about Dewi when my friend who lives in Georgia was like, hey, you got to check this out. This video is like gone kind of viral. Um, And there's a video of of Dewi's little spot in Queens with a million views on it. So it's really cool to see how uh, the community is supporting each other here. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, um, one of the best advice that was uh, given to me by one of my old clients, actually, and then we're still good friends, you know, like he mentioned that one of the best uh, thing about being an entrepreneur, being a business person, is that it's not about the money. It's, it's never about the money. The best thing about being an entrepreneur is that the people that you meet along the way, right? So I, in a way, I know Devi also from very long time ago when she still have the Indo, uh, what, what is that, Java Village, her old restaurant. Mm-hmm. I used to be a regular there be- oh, okay. because uh, it's really close to my home. And then I happen to like her food. Yeah. And then, yeah, we, we would see like weekly. <laughs> we see each other weekly. <laughs> and every Saturday morning, I, I usually show up there and then, you know, get, get my usual. Yeah. And then that, that habit doesn't change, you know, today that I, I know that she has this uh, Warung Slasa running every Tuesday. So yeah. I, I still support her. <laughs> Another theme that I've seen with a lot of the food folks that I've had yeah. on here are that they started out just making food that maybe the friends around them hadn't had or food that was familiar to their friends that come from their culture. Um, I'm really curious about your foray into baking essentially and where that started. Oh, by accident. It's it's purely by accident. Yeah. what happened was uh, Krishna Market is our client. Yeah. So. Oh, for, for this company. For Course Design Factory, oh. correct. So uh, I approached John because I, I went to Krishna Market quite a few times. You know, at the same time, I know that uh, I always wanted to have a food business on the side for a longer time, you know, but never act on it, right? Okay. So I thought like, well, I'll approach John, see what's up, see what I can help, you know, and then uh, let, let's see what we can work on together. And that time, uh, Krishna Market needed a new website. And then uh, I told them that, well, we do website in our studio. Why don't, you know, we work together? So we ended up developing their website, you know, and then uh, I told John that, hey, I want to have a food business. Can we start it off at the Krishna Market? Mm. And then John, I, I still remember, John was like, what the hell are you going <laughs> to do? You're a design firm and you want to open a stall. Like, <laughs> it, it didn't quite make sense, right? So what I did was that, well, John, if you give me the stall, it's my problem. So let, let me okay. figure it out, right? So, so you, you committed before even knowing what you were going to make? Completely, wow. yes. And then uh, John said, okay, then let's, let's figure it out. Let me know what you want to sell, you know, and then we'll make it happen. So I went home. 
And then uh, I called my cousin who worked in the restaurant business. He runs a restaurant in uh, New Jersey, a Japanese restaurant. And then I told her that, hey, we have a stall at the Queenstown Market, and then we can do whatever we want with it. And now what the hell are we going to sell? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are we going to sell? And then uh, uh, we, yeah, we did the test kitchen, basically. You know, we, we tried to recreate stuff that we like as a kid. You know, okay. But at the same time, we want to create it our way. You know? Part of the reason is because uh, a lot of the small street food that you find in Indonesia, they're slowly disappearing, especially like the, the coconut pancake that, that you had. Uh, it's gone from the street from of Indonesia is because the innovation didn't happen. Like there's no innovation. It has been done the exact same way for okay. I don't know how many long, right? But the market changes, the people changes, the customer changes, and you cannot expect the same formula to run all the time, right? So me being a designer, of course, we we have to think about this from the innovation standpoint, right? So what can we innovate on top of what is the base, what right. is the tradition. So uh, with that kind of mindset, then we developed the recipe for the new you know, coconut pancake. That's why we can actually prelate the sugar and we can actually have you know, various kinds of toppings and all of them are, are a twist on the traditional. I see, yeah. And then it's the same with the pandan steam cake, it's the same with the steam cassava. They're all a twist of the traditional. You know, because if we stick to the tradition, it will have the same faith as the one in Indonesia. They will be slowly disappearing too. Yeah. Yeah. How long did it take for you to perfect that before you brought it to the night market? Uh, let's see. I would think it was like a couple of, a good three weekends, I think. Okay. Three weekends that I just spent with my uh, cousin when he was just, you know, trying to cooking and testing recipes. But yeah, like like run three weeks and then we figure out what it is, the perfect formula, you know. And then of course we open up in the Queensland market. Our expectation was way off. Yeah. Because uh, this was last year. This was last year, okay. April last year, and I still remember because the the first night our equipment was not uh, up to par, and then we couldn't produce the coconut pancake fast enough. <laughs> And then we have this crazy line that is going in our booth. <laughs> and then people were waiting for over an hour for a pancake. It was, it was ridiculous. And then, yeah, the second week, get better. You know, we got two stuff running, and it's still not enough. You know, third wow. week, we have three of them running, and it's still not enough. You know, and then the fourth week, we're like, okay, four. Okay, this is too many. And yeah. then we scale it back again to three. And then, you know, we, we keep testing the operation formula every week. <laughs> so let's talk about... You have three desserts. Let's talk about what they are. Sure. Um, so the coconut pancake is sort of the feature item. Yeah, that's that's the one that we started with actually. So the the coconut pancake is is uh, in Java, certain part of Java they call it the kue panchong, and then on uh, in the eastern side of Java they call it the rangin. And okay. they're, they're essentially the same thing. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's made of coconut milk and then rice flour and fresh coconut, grated coconut. You know. Is that how it's prepared there? Because I did notice that the items are gluten-free. I wasn't sure if that was like an American adaptation. No, 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 it is gluten-free. Okay. A lot of Indonesian desserts are actually gluten-free because we don't use as much uh, uh, flour. We mm. use rice flour right. mostly. You know. Okay. So the coconut pancake, the name is maybe a little misleading. It's not like an American pancake. No. Um, 
No, but then at the same time, we need to find an English right. equivalent of it that is somewhat there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have a, a dessert that's made out of cassava. Yes. What is that called? The cassava is actually this. You still can find it in in Java, and some. It's originally from the island of Madura, which is like where Java is. is really next to it. Mm. Like you can see it from from Surabaya actually. And then uh, what it is is a grated uh, cassava, and then they mix it with Java palm sugar, and then they steam it, and then cook everything. Yeah. And yeah. the third is pandan. Pandan steam cake. Yeah. Is, is that matcha or? Pandan, pandan is a type of this this blade of grass basically, oh, and okay. it's it's used a lot in Southeast Asian dessert. You know, like you can find it in Philippines, Malaysia, you know, Indonesia, like this kind of areas. And then uh, this thing, we we grind it, take the juice, mix it with uh, flour and a little bit of eggs, and then we foam it basically, mm. and then we steam it. That's that's what makes the spongy textures. You okay, know? So the whole thing is not baked. It's so good. I mean, one of the things, I, you've obviously been successful at the night market because it's good food and it tastes amazing. Yeah. But it's also, uh, I think, compared with the other things that are being sold, it's quite unique. And so I think it's something that folks haven't had before and it's something that they're also not going to find a similar equivalent at the night market. Yeah. Is that fair? Well, yes. I mean, uh, John has been quite... Uh, uh, he he doesn't want the menu to overlap between vendors to vendors, right? Oh, okay. So that kind of helps. So when we set it up, you know, we got exclusivity for this type of dessert, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's an interesting phenomenon. I've been talking about the show Ugly Delicious a lot because yeah. I, I think it, it, it. You've seen it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I think I, it, I, I'm familiar with it. Not that I've seen it. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think that David Chang talks about a lot of really cool and interesting things. And there was a, a dish that was. Um, Vietnamese Cajun food, uh, I forget, I think it maybe was in Houston. And yeah. then he talked about how that chef was then going to bring that Viet Cajun dish back to Vietnam. Mm-hmm. You've talked about how the coconut pancake in Indonesia has not gone through innovation. Are there any plans to bring your innovation that you've created here back to Indonesia? Uh, I haven't had the plan so far. Okay. Like we haven't planned it that far because uh, what what we wanted to do now is just making Moonman a sustainable uh, system, right? Mm. So that's why we're, we've been uh, fighting to get a permanent space uh, set up for us. Oh, really? That way, yeah. We're we're hoping to make it happen either end of the year today, uh, this year, or early next year. You know, so we've been uh, negotiating in places okay. for that. Uh, yeah, we. Our first priority right now is just to make Moonman sustainable and run by itself. Yeah. Like that's that's the number one, you know. Because if at the end of the day, doesn't matter how much passion you have, if it's a business, it's a business. Right. It has to be treated like one, right? So Moonman is a business, even though you know we we're involved in it, but we want it to be yeah, sustainable sustainability first. Then we can think about where we gonna take it after. Right. right. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Where is your preference for the shop? Is it in Queens or in Manhattan? Uh, right now, we're, we're looking into Manhattan just because we, I mean, Queens, we have Queens Night Market as our home. So I, right. <laughs> we, we already get that market. It's, it's, it's fine, right? So I think Manhattan is the, the next step that we're trying to tackle. Oh, wow. Yeah. Will you expand the menu of items? Yes, certainly. I mean, the number of menu always 
supported by the facility, right? The more space you have, the more equipment you have, that means you can do more stuff and more ingredients that you can actually bring in. I mean, the, the whole goal for a food establishment like that is actually like Starbucks, right? Yeah, yeah. Small number of ingredients, but a really, really large menu. But uh, for, yeah, for Moonman, it will have to act similarly, but at the same time, you know, our DNA is much, much different than, than most of them. So we have to find that rightful balance in between. Yeah, no, that's brilliant too. I, I kind of got the feel when I walked in here, that like, um, you know, where you have uh, shared spaces and open spaces and shared food and things like that. It's kind of like the, the Google <laughs> model, no? Yeah, A little yeah. bit, yeah. No, that's interesting. Um, on that potentially expanded menu, yeah, I would love to see if, if I get to give my uh, my opinion. Um, my favorite thing to get at night when I was in Indonesia was pisang goreng, yeah, which is fried banana, yeah. And people do it differently. Some people do it more like a crepe type of outside, yeah, yeah. I like kind of like that fried dough, deep fried outside. Uh huh. Is this a possibility? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, well, uh, we we talk about it with my uh, cousin already quite a few times about having the entire uh, fried menu. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like it's it's tough for us to bring it to Queensland Market. Is because the oil, right? the oil, yeah. you know, the disposing the oil and all those things, and then that means we also have to bring in infrastructure. We need to bring in fryers. We need to bring in you know oils, and we need to bring in more ingredients, which is. Not that hard, but at the same time, if you're only bringing those investment only for one menu, is not quite sustainable. Right. right. So if we want to do the the fried stuff, we have to do it for the entire fried menu from Indonesia. You know, like the, what we call korengan, basically. Uh huh. Yeah. So there's a possibility. It's just yeah, it's still being work on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, there there are other things that I would even see at night, like. Um, Potato that's fried yeah. and, and different vegetables and things like that and fruits yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and jackfruit yeah. Uh huh. Is it uh, has it been easy to get ingredients that are comparable to what you would get uh, back in Indonesia? Um, yes and no. There are certain ingredients that are actually tougher to get. Like the really? um, pandan oh, is no, actually is is not easy to get, you know, yeah. like, the, and the, the frozen one doesn't taste as good, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then if, if you use the, the one that comes in a bottle, you know, it's always tastes too strong. Okay. And then you, you start tasting this artificial kind of chemical that in your cake, like you don't want that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, those, those are the, the, there are a couple of tricky things that we have to do. And those yeah. have to be imported. They're not native to... So they don't grow here, like the pandan. That I digress. don't know. I never plant my own pandan leaves, so I <laughs> <laughs> that I have to test. <laughs> yeah. Um, something exciting is a couple of pretty cool things that have happened in the very short history of Moon Man. Yeah. So one of those is that you won a Vendi Award. Well, we were the finalists for best dessert for Fendi. Ah, uh, you did not take the crown, huh? No, we did not. <laughs> what are, for folks who are uninitiated, I guess, what are Vendi Awards? Fendi Awards is like the Oscar for street vendors in mm. New York City, basically. So uh, it's public nominated, so people from public can actually nominate uh, a vendor to be an Fendi. And then the Fendi people are going to select uh, about 20-something vendors to be competing in the Governor's Island. Uh, I think it's happening in the September, usually. Okay. Yeah. And then they battle it out 
and then throughout the day, people can actually vote of the one that they like, what they don't like, and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, still, for, for doing it for a year, that's pretty impressive. Less than a year at a time, because yeah. we started in April, and we're competing in September. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, the other pretty exciting thing was that you guys were on the Untitled uh, Ashen Bronson show. Oh, yeah. That, that one also quite random. Was that uh, a, there was a Queen's connection, maybe? No, it was a Fendi connection, apparently. Oh. Uh, one of the producers actually came uh, to Fendi Award, and then they saw us there. And then they liked our food. They like everything we serve. They like the branding. They like they like you know the, the liveliness of it, and then they contact me out of nowhere to send me an email saying that hey we're from the Action Bronson show you know but being somebody who doesn't watch TV as much uh-huh. I don't know who Action Bronson is. Okay. It was so bad. It was so bad. Trust me. Yeah. And then I, in the office I was telling my friends hey guys do you guys know who Action Bronson is and then everyone freaked out <laughs> except for me except for me I I, I didn't know. And then, uh, yeah, then, you know, I, I see the show and then I, I learn about it, you know, and then I told them, okay, well, you know, are you sure you're inviting us, you know, because they're like, yeah, we usually want action to hang out with, uh, with a chef or an entertainer and then, or a celebrity. And yeah. then I told them, well, I'm none of those. I'm not a celebrity. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a chef, right? I'm not a trained chef at least. Right. And then I'm not, a, yeah, I'm no one famous. So are you sure? And then they're like, yeah, we love your food. Just come, you know, so that just happened. <laughs> And Ice-T was on that episode. Ice-T was in that episode, you know, and Ice-T approved one of my coconut pancakes. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> he, he never hold a torch, you know, uh, really? ever. And then, you know, we, he just kind of like trying it out, and, you know, it was, it was fun. Oh, yeah. And Ice-T apparently hate coconut. Really? He hates coconut. But he, he ate like it. my pancakes. Oh, so hey, <laughs> look at that, man. <laughs> <laughs> so it, that's, that's a big plus, for sure. Yeah, it's a wild show. I had... Um, Action's photographer on here uh, yeah. uh, quite a while ago, um, but to, to research for that, I watched a lot of that show, <laughs> um, and it's wild. No, but that's awesome, man. Uh, did did that lead to any other like? Did did that exposure? help you guys? Did, were people hitting you up after that? Well, I mean, we, we got people mentioning that, hey, I saw you at the Action Bronson show, you know, yeah. from time to time, every time we fan, you know, so that, I think the big plus is just that we'll, we're just more recognized in a way. Yeah, yeah. no, that's exciting. <laughs> Would you ever consider branching off into um, other types of Indonesian food, or are you going to stick with desserts for now? Well, that's also the other thing. Like, if we want to branch out, that means right now, Moonman is in, uh, is synonymous with the Indonesian dessert, right? right? So, if as a brand, if we want to branch out into uh, savory dishes, for example, then we have to create a new brand almost. So that's almost easier than actually introducing the savory menu into Moonman. Okay. Uh, yeah. Where did that branding come from? Moonman. Depends. You want me to be honest or not? Yeah, I do. <laughs> the branding comes from uh, two glasses of mojito. <laughs> so what, what happened is uh, I, I had a Thai restaurant in my neighborhood that I usually go to. And then uh, I was brainstorming and then with my cousin, you know, I, I always write stuff in my, you know, in my pocket all the time. Every time I get an idea, I just write it down. And then, uh, yeah, it was 
right around the time that you know we agreed to help John with their website, and then you know John gave us the the booth and everything, and then I was over there having dinner, drinking my mojitos, and then I had this idea that you know what, let's call, let's create like the anti-branding of of what Indonesian brandness usually is, huh. because like. If if you notice, a lot of the brand that comes from uh, uh, ethnic food, right per se, right, the Thailand or Indonesian or Filipino, and you know all those, they always revolve around the concept that hey, uh, this is a term that is known in our culture, and here's I'm bringing it to you. Mm. So like what I was thinking is that like what if we actually do the other way around? Like what if we actually create a brand that actually makes no sense? So we're we're stripping everything out, right? So we're we're stripping all the cultures out, and then we'll just infuse the culture into the food, period, and nothing else. Wow. Then what would happen, right? So that was that was my thought number one, and thought number two is that, uh, what if we create the brand, you know, after it's being nonsensical? Then what if we actually build it in a way that actually memorable, right? Memorable that anyone can actually understand and mm. and somehow create their own uh, direct connection into the food. Like they can guess where's the name come from, even though it actually doesn't exist. Right. right. So that's that's what Moonman came from, basically. Wow. So it's it's it's, it's the anti-branding yeah. or branding. <laughs> no, that's brilliant, man. And the um, I love how you guys have the countdown, and it's kind of like a, the countdown to a rocket blasting off or something like that, which is the, <laughs> yeah. the movement connection. We, we play around with the lingo uh, to everything, right? I mean, essentially, the, the whole point of having a good branding is that you have to be able to maintain the language. So we already set on having Moon Man and the astronaut and that theme going on, you know. So if we start breaking apart on our languages, then the entire brand gonna collapse. Right. So we have to maintain it in that kind of level, and that's what having a brand actually means. Yeah. Yeah, man. I can see why you've been successful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know about that either, but <laughs> that's relatives. Um, because folks already know if they've listened to this, and they do listen to this religiously, they know who Dewi is. Yeah. Um, and so aside from her and aside from your own food and your company's food, yeah. if you are going to be seeking Indonesian food in New York City, where are you going to go to get it? Oh, that's tough. Because partially because Indonesian food is so diverse, right? Um things that you find in Padang is not necessarily things that you can find in Surabaya. And right. things you can find in Surabaya is not necessarily things you can find in, in Yogyakarta and, and so on, right? So they're, they're very diverse. But um, yeah, Devi de food is like standard food that, uh, that I kind of like grew up with mm -hmm. in, in Surabaya, you know? So her food taste palette seems familiar to me. That's why I love it so much. Um, there is uh, yeah, a couple of Indonesian restaurants that I usually go to. Um, Sky Cafe, I go there, there a lot, you know, they have like this nasi bungkus and, you know, their noodles is pretty good. So I, I go there for that specifically. Um, let's see what else. The bazaar that is going on in, in Elmhurst from time to time, you know, mm. I, I think they do it every month or something like that. I usually go there and I have, you know, a couple of preferred vendors that I usually go to and get my nasi padang and... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is there anything from your youth in Indonesia that you can't find here in the States? Oh, there's a lot of it. A lot of it. And, and that's why um, 
when we built the menu for Moonman, it was like easy and hard at the same time. Mm. Easy because we have so many references, you know, in, in our memories, like stuff that we just can't find. We can't even find it in Indonesia sometimes. And then, uh, yeah, we have so many references. And then at the same time, the challenge just becomes how do we recreate it and we innovate it so that it's actually current. You know? Yeah. So you have your business here. You have Hello Moon Man, which we've been talking about, yeah. which is um, growing, potentially going to have a brick and mortar spot. Uh, what other goals do you have? What, like, is there more in that brain? Well, I, 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 to be honest with you, I just kind of like do whatever falls on my lap. <laughs> That's awesome. Though. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the Moon Man, you know, is, is the food business, right? The food business kind of grows. So maybe there's a permutation version of other kind of Moon Man that, that you know, serves something else. And then uh, the publishing business also, the first one, the collected that you see, um, is only the first chapter that we built about Indonesian graphic design. So I've been talking to the publisher of creating the second program that talks about Indonesian product designers, you know, and then talking about Indonesian interior design and architecture and stuff like that. So we want to explore all of the um, field in the design disciplines. Really. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, the photography studio, uh, that's like the newest universe, you know, the, for, for me personally, because uh, we just launched it like a few months ago, a couple of months ago. Yeah, it's not that far. But at the same time, you know, the, after you launch it, you kind of need to start building the infrastructures and get clients yeah. and stuff like that. So that's still in the work. Um, yeah, a couple of product development here and there that I'm working on too. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious about, um, so I, I have all sorts of folks on this podcast, which is yeah. what I absolutely love to do. I, I, I said in the last episode that sometimes the best things that are said are when I'm hanging out with the person yeah. um, before I hit record or after I hit record and, <laughs> and, and, and we're just kind of shooting the shit and talking sure. and learning about each other. Yeah. Um, to, I think for some for some Americans, right? So, like to yeah. be to be born a white American, it's kind of like, well, what is an American? Like, what is American culture? Yeah. Whereas I can go to Indonesia and the culture is much older. I mean, the, the United States still, you know, in terms of, you know, colonization until until country till today is yeah. a few hundred years. Um, and so I see these like these really cool like deep networks, um, identities. I talked about how a lot of Indonesian folks who came over here into New York City are kind of supporting each other. Mm -hmm. Do you feel any sort of responsibility to um, promote Indonesian culture? I mean, you are an Indonesian American, but as somebody who did emigrate to the States and is successful, I'm just curious if you either feel a sense of, of pride about being a successful Indonesian-American or any sort of I, responsibility to, to do right by the culture? I, I think there is a misconception in a way that a lot of people think just because you're from Indonesia and then you move to the United States that your background being Indonesian is supposed to be a weakness. Hmm. I don't think that's the case, you know, because your experience in the past is supposed to enrich you. Like, that's, that's your asset in a way. 
so like yeah talking about business term that's your asset right that's right. that's your knowledge that's your your uh, information that you have that most of the other people don't have so in that sense if you look at it from that kind of lens you know the having a background from indonesia is actually a big advantage for me i think it's a big advantage you know? in that think it, about it like without Growing up in Indonesia, I wouldn't have Moonman today. Right. Like it, it just won't make sense. You know, I can try to replicate it like the, however I want. You know, and it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the Moonman that it is today. Right. Yeah. I guess then um, something like Moonman. Then it, it's not that you were saying, "Hey, I'm gonna put out something into the American culture that is uniquely Indonesian. It's just a product of who you are. These are the foods that I enjoyed eating and this is yeah. what I know. Yeah. Practically, yes. That's how it should be. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Is there anything that while we have this platform here that people should check out? Anything you want to plug? Anything cool that's coming up? Well, I mean, uh, let's see. Design, course design factory, for sure. Okay, and, and I'll and link then, to all this that people yeah. can easily get it. And then uh, our food business is Hello Moon Man. Uh, let's see, Novel Objects is our product photography uh, service that we do. And then, uh, yeah, what else? Well, I, I teach at the School of Visual Art also. I'm a professor there, but... Wait, what? Oh uh, Yeah, I'm... I'm <laughs> I, I teach design at the School of Visual Art. I'm, I'm a, School of Visual Art is both my employer and my client at the same time, and also my alma mater. So, yeah, wow, I graduated from there, and then uh, they're my client because we're doing a lot of a uh, project with them. And then at the same time, I'm teaching there, so I'm a professor there. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you are making me feel so lazy, man. <laughs> it's it sounds cooler than it actually is, but yeah, I, I do teach there, but. <laughs> And the night market is Saturday nights in Queens in Flushing Meadow. Corona Park. Corona Park. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it, you know, if you live here, check it out. If you're someone that's that's visiting for the weekend, check it out. Can do you do um, kind of like catering events or anything? Like if anybody wants a special. We do catering from time to time. You know, depending on the circumstances and quantities and scheduling and stuff like that. You know, but we just we just did catering for the Orchard Project for their gala. You know? Oh, awesome! So we we sent three hundred something coconut pancakes, and then uh, our catering comes with a blue torch. So they, they essentially make their own pancake. So we, we make it a little bit of interactive for them. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, we're we're flexible on that end, you know, because that's the advantage of being a small business, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is way, way, way down the line, but yeah. could you ever see the uh, pancakes almost being like mass produced so that it's a snack you can buy in the store, like as a single or as a package? Well, I would never sacrifice the quality okay. of it to begin with. You know, the, the problem when you have to mass produce and then turn it into something self stable usually is that you have to reduce the, the quality. You right, have to exactly. add a lot more additives and you have to add a lot more things, right? I mean, even even when we do catering, for example, like we have to actually adjust our uh, recipe a little bit because depending on the delivery time, where is the serving time, sometimes we have to adjust it because otherwise the pancake becomes you know tough and mm. then it's, it's not the right texture anymore. So we want to make sure that when we send it to our client, that they actually got the right experience. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, no, we, we have to sense. keep 
that in mind all the time. Is your team working all week on Moonman, or is that something that no Moonman is just like a small fraction. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so like when do you begin like cooking each week? Uh, Saturday morning. I say <laughs> no way, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we invest a lot in in gadgets and machineries, yeah. right? So that that kind of helped to speed up the prep process, right? Um, yeah, if we usually start at the Saturday morning, and then you know we want to make sure that it's also fresh, it's made that day, that it's sold that day, you know? Right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen. The food's amazing. No, oh, thank you. It's been really cool to get to know you a little bit more. Uh, I'm going to say this. I said this with Manila. I'm not bullshitting folks, so don't, don't say that I'm sucking up to my guests. But I've been so lucky that I've been able to... I mean, what do I do? I don't do, I, I don't do anything. I sit here no, and I... You I, I well, I sit, <laughs> I sit here and I talk to the people who are doing really cool and amazing things. Um, and and I, I said this to Manila like, again, but I can see something really great happening here. Um, you've got a really unique product. It's really good. You've got a cool team. You've got people that are giving you positive press. I could see sitting down with you again in a year, and this has become something really big. Um, so I do hope that happens for you, Nigel. And um, oh, thank you. I'm appreciative that you uh, gave me your time today. Of course. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Thank you for listening, everybody. This has been the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast, episode 61. Hello, Moon Man. As always, I appreciate you all, and please take care of each other.